0: your attention to the word of the Lord to 2nd Corinthians chapter number 10, 2nd Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 3, it's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord, I know this is summertime, a lot of things going on, but uh, People taking vacations and shifts on vacations, but uh, that's a good thing. But let's just remember where home base is, praise God, and come back when we get finished and don't stay gone too long, amen. Second Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. "...but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." course this passage that I'm reading to you from is mostly speaking about the mind and uh, the thoughts that we have. It even uses the word imagination and so I want to use as a subject title here tonight casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. There's some things, some thoughts How many knows that the devil has a certain amount of access to your mind? To place thoughts in your mind. To um, cause certain things to come to mind. But we know that we have a responsibility as a Holy Ghost filled apostolic to cast down. We also have the power to do that. To cast down. Right before that it talks about pulling down strongholds. That would try to build themselves up. Where? In the mind. That's where... The devil tries oftentimes to get a foothold or to begin to build a stronghold and to uh, in some way get between you and God and in your relationship with God. So we're going to talk about casting down imaginations. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord again and let's pray that God would bless in this service here tonight. Jesus. We have need of you. We're praying, God, for liberty. We're praying, God, that your word would go forth with power. Praying that you would help people in this place this evening through your word. Praying, God, that you would bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And could the church say amen? Why don't you clap your hands to him one more time? Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I think... What we're dealing with here tonight pertains to spiritual warfare. And I know that's not something that we talk about often here, but that does not take away from its reality, because the moment that you were born again, the moment that you received this new birth experience, you became engaged, whether or not you were aware of it or not, you became engaged in spiritual warfare. You, from that very moment, you had an enemy, a spiritual enemy, the devil, and he's going to do his very best by bringing an onslaught of attacks against you to uh, discourage you, to dissuade you, to do anything that he can to distract you from your relationship with God. But uh, I'm thankful that we have weapons that this scripture talked about tonight that we find strength in and we find encouragement in using these things that we have, these weapons that God has given us in our arsenal that we can use against the enemy. And these weapons are effective. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And I'm so thankful that God didn't displace us out on the battlefield and just leave it up to us to try to fight these spiritual battles on our own or to figure it out by ourselves. Even in the natural and the physical, that would be ludicrous to to try to send young soldiers out of the battle without training. Even when they send them out into warfare that is just as foot soldiers, they send them to what they would call at the very minimum basic training. And this would bring them up to speed physically. Also, it would teach them the chain of command and other things that they would need to know when they're out on the battlefield because not only would it not be safe, but it would be improbable to try to win a battle that you were not trained for, that you were not uh, equipped for. So that's what we're doing here tonight. That's why we have Bible study as we are... We are all still in training as apostolics. When you get the Holy Ghost, that's another thing. You never stop growing in God. You never stop becoming in the Lord. You are always reaching and pursuing and desiring greater things in God or you should be. And I'm going to tell you there's no place that you can reach in God that there's no more to receive from Him. because. Uh, He's limitless in His ability to give to us. He's limitless in His ability to help us and to strengthen and and to bless our lives. And so there's no place that we can say, well, I've reached the final uh, place and dimension that I can in God, and I've graduated the point that I can go no further. There's no such a thing. But uh, in our relationship with God, we keep growing, we keep becoming, and we draw closer to Him. And we become more knowledgeable of Him and His Word. And then also in all of that, we become more equipped. But it's only through our knowledge of the things of God can we really become more equipped in how to use the weapons that we have. Uh, For instance, you could place uh, a high-tech weapon in the hands of an untrained soldier and they would not be able to operate it as powerful as it may be. Uh, they, they could have it in their hands. They could have it within their reach and still not be able to utilize it. A lot of people have the Word of God. It's accessible to them, but they don't know. They don't understand. They don't have revelation. And more than just human knowledge, we need revelation from the Word of God. How does revelation come? Revelation comes through the Spirit of God opening up our eyes and illuminating things to us. Uh, We know that the God of this world, the Bible says, can darken people's eyes or blind people. We see that happening. A lot of people, you say, well, they read the same Bible. Why can't they see the same truths in it? Because the Spirit leads and guides into all truth. And the devil is doing his best to darken people's eyes that they cannot see And they cannot understand. That's why we need revelation in this hour. I'm thankful for the very basic revelations that we have from God. I believe that truth has been revealed to us. And truth continues to be revealed to people. The oneness of God is a revelation. Can you say praise the Lord? And aren't you thankful for the revelation of that truth? Amen. Now, I believe that we can take this Bible and we can prove it line upon line, precept upon precept. And uh, we can prove it. But you know, a lot of times it takes God opening a person's eyes for them to really be able to embrace and to see certain things in the Word of the Lord. We, we understand and have a revelation of the power of the name. Now, you can have a basic understanding that that name, when you pray in that name, there's healing, there's miracles, there's provision, there's all kinds of blessings that come from invoking that name. But there is something about a child of God. I'm talking about an apostolic that has the Holy Ghost, that has a revelation of the name because they've been baptized in the name. And when they speak that name and when they pray in that name, it's a little different than others when they invoke that name because they have a revelation of the power that is in that name like nobody else does. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm thankful that we can utilize the name of the Lord and we can find help in time of need by calling on that name. Bible talks about it being like a strong tower that the righteous run into and are safe by calling on the name of the Lord. Praise God, you need to be comfortable with doing that you, that needs to be something that that comes to to the forefront of your mind when trouble and attack and difficulty and trial and when walking through uh, circumstances and challenges of life that you can call on the name of the Lord because He's given you that name to call on. Oh, praise the Lord. And we go on about that. We have a revelation of the blood of Jesus and the power that's in the blood and how that uh, that blood covers and cleanses us from all sin and also that by by pleading the blood of Jesus that you can mark your territory, so to speak. You can uh, make a bloodline, as it were. Amen. That protection comes through things that is covered by the blood, and we find that all the way back in the book of... Uh, Exodus, when at the Passover the blood was placed upon the door of the home of the children of God, upon the doorpost and the lintel, and when the death angel came by, when he saw that marking of the blood, he passed over. That's where that name comes from. He passed over, and uh, they were uh, secure and they were able to to live. But every house that did not have the blood, that intruder came in and took the life of the firstborn. Aren't you thankful that the blood has power to cover you? Praise the Lord. And you say, how is the blood applied to a New Testament believer's life? I'll tell you how it is. When you repent of your sins and you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and you receive this glorious experience of the Holy Ghost... The Bible tells us that the blood is applied to your life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that understanding. So we're, we're talking a little bit about spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm going to tell you this in my first little point about spiritual warfare here tonight is that spiritual warfare cannot be done by just repeating what somebody else says or by mimicry, or just doing what you saw or witnessed or heard somebody else do. Now, there's nothing wrong with learning from somebody else and their experience. We all do that. Things are passed on to us that way. We learn many times how to pray by listening to uh, others, maybe a praying mother, a praying father, or a an elderly saint in the church that knows how to get a hold of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not diminishing that in the least. But what I am saying is that if you're going to have the same results as those those persons that you learn from, you have to have the same relationship and experience that they have. Praise the Lord. You cannot just uh, copy what they do and not have the depth of consecration and expect to have the same results. Those results come from you having that experience of that connection with God and having built, if you want to say it this way, that that pipeline through prayer that you can access the power of God with. Amen. It doesn't matter what kind of resources are, are in the ground. You've been hearing a lot about this pipeline that they want to build up through uh, the northern states, I suppose, and how that they could transport oil. And it doesn't matter how powerful uh, the resources, or how much resources are available, if this pipeline isn't built, in, in 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 their opinion, then those resources will never be realized. They'll never be able to be accessed, especially as quickly as uh, perhaps they could be. And so, uh, I just want to state: unless you build a pipeline through prayer, you cannot expect to receive certain things. And to access certain things that would be a resource to you in your relationship with God. Amen. How many knows that that, that heaven has the power? Heaven has the authority over the things that we we are faced with, over the things that challenge us. Heaven has the power over those. We just have to access it because in our flesh there is no good thing. In our flesh we cannot confront the devil. In our flesh we cannot take him on. In our flesh, we cannot combat certain things that we would come up against or be confronted with. But through the help of the Lord, through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, those yokes can be destroyed, the Bible says. And I like that because it doesn't just say, we a lot of times say, and I've been guilty of saying this, that, that the anointing breaks the yoke. But it's, more, it, it's stronger than that. It, it, it's more demonstrative than that. It says that it will destroy the yoke. When you destroy something, that means it can't be repaired. That means you can't bring it back. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I believe there's an anointing in God that destroys the yoke obliterates the yoke to the point that it cannot be reconstructed by the enemy in your life. There may be other things that you have to struggle with, but I believe you can get victory and if you continue to walk with God and you continue to follow the Holy Ghost, you can walk in that victory until Jesus comes and not have to deal with that again. Come on, you believe God is able to deliver people? You believe God has the power to do that? Hallelujah, that God has the power to, to obliterate things in people's lives to the point that it, it cannot be put back on them in that same way again as long as they continue to walk with God. Now if a person turns back, if a, if a person doesn't continue to serve the Lord, of course uh, we have the scriptural principle that not only that would be put back on them, but seven times worse. Is that what the Bible says? You go find some more spirits that are worse than he and bring them back. So uh, just because you've got deliverance from it, if you don't continue in that consecration, uh, you've got to stay current. Amen. Praise the Lord. You've you got an automobile that perhaps you're paying payments on or a home that you're paying payments on and you say, I own this. You own it as long as you're current. You own it as long as you're making payments on time. But you might look out the window at 2 o'clock in the morning and see a tow truck sitting out there if you forsake paying your payments. It sounds like somebody's had that experience here. I'm just joking. Amen. Hey, man, these jokes get me in trouble sometimes. I, I'm telling you, praise God. But anyway, I'm just saying you are only, only able to own, to use as an owner, as long as you are current in things, well, I'm going to tell you, your prayer life's kind of like that payment book. You keep you keep laying up treasures. You keep you keep things current. You you keep things alive. You keep the pipeline open, as it were. Praise the Lord! You keep this thing flowing. You, just like a water source, you know. As long as the city keeps pumping water in your house as long as you're paying the bill. And that's the way it is in our relationship with God. As long as we're current in our relationship with God. Now, do I think that God's sitting over there with his hand on the valve saying, "You just mess up a little bit, you just you just back off just a little, you just uh, you just miss one day of prayer, you just miss one day of of uh, that you uh, you know, walking with me perfectly and and without any uh, stumbling, without do I think that it just reaches over there and cuts the valve off just every time that we uh, deal with a weakness or we miss a prayer uh, meeting or we we we're not all that we need to be? No, I I don't think that. No more than you do that for your children. You don't disown your children just because. They make mistakes or they stumble, they fail or whatever. Neither does, does God just reach over there and shut the valve off and say, okay, no more for you until you get back on track. But I believe that when a person continues on in their sin, continues on in their willfulness uh, to sin and to uh, walk away from God, then, of course, that supply line is cut off. But if a person's striving and if a per- person is is is, is endeavoring and, and a person is quick to rebound and get back up, the Bible says that a just man falls seven times, but it goes on to say that he gets back up. That's the key. We don't want to use the seven times of falling down as some kind of justification for falling. What we want to do is be reminded that this is how many times it did fail or fall But he got back up. And what it means there by getting back up, it doesn't mean that he waited weeks or months. Oh no, he got back up immediately. And that's what every one of us has to do. We have to bounce back. We have to get back up. We have to rebound quickly. We cannot continue on lest the devil use that to separate us from God. Because that's where condemnation comes in. That's where the devil uh, begins to, to to develop this stronghold. That I want to talk about later in the lesson is 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 through us not quickly rebounding and repairing things. You know, there's some things you may be able to put off. There's other things that require attention, right? Amen. This the this last weekend we had this big storm. Electric went off all over, and. Uh, You know, when it's July and electricity goes off, uh, people, I'm sure there was a lot of calls. If the phones were still working, I'm sure there was a lot of calls that was going in to the electric company. Hey, what you folks going to do down here? You guys going to get this hooked back up? And it didn't matter what's going on, what people had planned for the weekend. That's something that requires attention. That's something that cannot be put off. Amen? Amen. you take uh, the A.C. breaking down during the summer or the heater breaking down in the winter and it's extremely hot or cold. You know, if it's springtime or fall, they may be able to just pull more cover or open the windows or whatever the case may be and it not demand immediate attention. But you're not going to go very long until you're going to want some attention on that air conditioner if it goes down in this time of year. Or if it's cold wintertime and there's a hard freeze, you're going to want a heater in your home, and it's going to require your attention. There's some things you may could do without. Matter of fact, you may not eat out for a week or two, but you're going to get that fixed. You you may not go out shopping for a few days, but you're going to get that fixed. Can you say there are certain things that require our immediate attention? Your relationship with God and getting it right and keeping it right demands your attention every day. Amen. That's why Paul said, I die Daily, amen, because he understood the nature of this old flesh is to creep up and to cause problems and to try uh, to get in the way of my relationship with God and mess up my relationship with God. So I've got to put this flesh on the altar every day. I've got to maintain a prayer life. I, if I'm going to continue on in the right direction, doing the right things, I've got to die out. Praise the Lord. And so I, I've got to have this continual maintenance program going on. And then if I'm going to get ahead in God, uh, I've got to go beyond that at times. There's got to be times of sacrifice. There's got to be times when I say, you know what, this is not something I do every day, but uh, for this period of time, I'm going, to, I'm going to put a little bit more prayer on this. For this period of time, I'm going to do some fasting. Why? What are we trying to do? We're trying not just to stay Uh, status quo and mediocre in our relationship with God, we're trying to go a little further and become a little bit more in God. And so sacrifice is required. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. So uh, we cannot just hear somebody pray and just say the same words and expect the same result. We cannot just mimic someone else and expect the same result. Our enemy is not intimidated by mimicry. A good example of this is in Acts 19 when the sons of Sceva went to cast out devils and they said, We adjure you by the Jesus that Paul preacheth. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? I know, I know who Jesus is, of course, and I know his servant Paul, but I have never met you, fellas. They didn't have the same anointing. They didn't have the same power of God. They knew how to say the same things that Paul had said, maybe the same way. Maybe they 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 held their finger just like Paul and they maybe they 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 enunciated their words just like Paul, but it didn't have any effect. It didn't have any effect. Why? Because there was no anointing there and there was no anointing because they did not have a relationship with the Lord, to back it up. And it goes on to tell us that that evil spirit leapt upon them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of their house, out of that house naked and wounded. I'm going to tell you it's a dangerous thing to try to get by on somebody else's relationship. It's a dangerous thing for us to look to certain people and just say, well, I'm going to kind of coast on their relationship. I've seen churches that tried to coast on maybe certain people in the church, the leadership of the church, pastor of the church, his relationship with God or somebody else's relationship. I've seen family members try to do this with old patriarchs in their family that really knew how to walk with God. They try to kind of rely upon the prayers and the consecrations of that individual. But I'm going to tell you something. That does not work in longevity. Praise God. You cannot depend on somebody else's experience and emulate that and expect it to have power and to be effective. We must understand who we are, what we are doing, and why we are doing it. All of those are important questions to ask. All of those are important questions to have answers to if we expect to be effective for God. I want to be effective for God. I don't want to be like the Apostle Paul said, one that beateth the air. I'm not just out here wasting my energy and my time and my my uh, utility on, on things that don't. I don't want to do that. I don't suspect anybody here really wants to do it that way. I suspect everybody here wants to be effective in God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can I hear an Amen. But there's, uh, Satan uses three, I want to say, main weapons against the church. And when I say church, I'm talking about us individually also. And the most obvious weapon is one that is an active weapon that we would call sin. Satan is known as a temper- tempter in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. And he's an expert at using. First sin, the Bible said, when a man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, book of James chapter 1, drawn away of his own lust and enticed, in other words, he's tempted. That temptation bringeth forth sin, and then the end result of sin is that it brings forth death. That's the end result of sin. And I know when we think about I know that sin has the capability of bringing physical death. I understand that. But even deeper than that, sin brings a spiritual death into people's life. And sin, when it brings spiritual death into a person's life, especially if they do not recognize it, to me that's a very alarming thing. To be like that church of Sardis that had a name that they were alive, yet the Scripture says they were dead. Spiritual death. Amen. Um, I think it's very imperative that we realize that because it's, it's possible to sit on church pews. It's possible to be faithful to the house of God. It's possible to to interact with church services and be in and out of church services and the very presence of the Lord and be a, a, a guest in the anointing and the power of God being in a place, yet be dead. Boy, that's dangerous, isn't it? That's something to consider. That's something for us to be warned against as individuals. And I want to be very careful that I be I would be able to discern that because if sin is in my life unrepented sin is allowed to exist in my life or anyone's life then it's going to to bring separation between me and God well you cannot stay spiritually alive and stay separated from God very long no 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 Amen. It's kind of like life support. You, you've got to have the whole vitality of the church is the spirit of God being able to work in a person's life. God being able to have access to us, us staying in a place spiritually where the Lord, again, that pipeline is there. He can he can get the necessary resources to us. He can, he can deal with it, kind of like a body, the blood. Anything that the blood does not touch will eventually die, right? It may be able to survive momentarily without that. You've all heard stories, and I know it's pretty gruesome, but of people uh, that maybe had an accident with a saw or something of the sort and lost an appendage or maybe even something as uh, catastrophic as a limb and because they were in uh, close proximity to the hospital, they were able to get there quick enough, and it was able to be reattached, and they were able to save because they were able to get that blood supply back, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, if we can't get back and get the blood supply and the Spirit flowing again, there's a chance that death enters in. And just like in a physical body, when when death comes, decay comes and when decay comes, all kinds of stuff begins to grow in that. Stuff that is putrid, stuff that is uh, disease and, and it begins to propagate and it begin I'm gonna tell you that's why it's so important that we stay connected in the spirit and we don't allow any kind of thing to to clot up our blood supply and to keep it from happening in our life as it needs to. Praise the Lord. That's that's how we're going to stay uh, overcomers. It's one thing to be an overcomer 10 years ago, but are you still an overcomer? It's one thing to be an overcomer when you got the Holy Ghost, but are you still an overcomer? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. I want to continue to be an overcomer. I don't want to just talk about what I used to do and what I used to be and how much power and anointing I used to have. I want to be able to say I presently have it. Praise the Lord. Because if there ever was a day we needed it, we need it now. The challenge is not lessened over time. The challenge has gotten greater over time. The Bible tells us about hell being unleashed. The Bible says that hell hath enlarged itself and that the devil comes down in another place with great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. So our living for God has to be commensurate with that. We have to realize that I've got to turn up, I've got to turn up the intensity myself. I can't get by on what I used to get by on because the devil's ramped up his efforts. I've got to ramp up mine. It seems like a lot of folks are in exactly the opposite mode than that. Feeling like they can get by on less. When really the truth of the matter is we need more. We need more revival than we've ever needed. We need more of the Spirit of God than we've ever needed moving in our midst. We need more of the power of God. Than we've we need more of His anointing than we've ever needed. Praise the Lord. Why don't we lift up our hands and give Him praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Praise God praise god and the result of sin as i've already mentioned is clear the wages of sin romans chapter six and verse 23 the wages of sin is death so sin is something that of course we all know this that the devil tries to interject and he doesn't stop trying somebody said well i've been living for god for x amount of years i'm gonna tell you he hasn't stopped trying young old in between it doesn't matter seems like the devil's always trying to work his angle to try to get people to mess up. That's right. I've seen people that get almost to the last lap, it seems like, and drop the baton. Man, that's a tragedy. You think about all the things that you have invested in your relationship with God. Don't let anything get in there to cause you to be lost. Don't let anything talk you out of your relationship with God. Don't let anything come between you and Him but make certain that you keep that connection with the Lord and that you walk with God. Praise the Lord. You've got to be careful that life itself doesn't skew you. Can I talk about that for just a minute? Life itself has a way of skewing some people. You ever seen a person that maybe things didn't work out just like they thought they should have or like they planned them to or dreamed about or aspired for them to? Things didn't go just like that. And because of that, it seems like their attitude was never the same and they were affected by it such that their attitude was skewed and their whole outlook on life as a result was skewed. Everything and everybody they come in contact with uh, was impacted because they, uh, this, their whole world view was skewed by life. It wasn't necessarily that the devil had a big impact on it. It was just life. And there's some things that we just have to live out. And there's some things that we cannot escape from. And life is one of them. None of us have been translated yet. Praise the Lord. I'm hoping for the rapture of the church. But uh, none of us have been like Enoch and just walked off the face of the earth into the arms of God. We haven't done that. But I'm going to tell you, life can skew a person. Yeah, disappointments can. Things not turning out. Uh, you know, and I know the world calls it luck or misfortune or whatever. I just call it sometimes life, and you have to prepare for it. You have to have contingency plans, and you have to have some things settled in your mind. I preached here a while back about being persuaded. How that Paul said, "I am persuaded that nothing." shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And that's the attitude that you've got to adopt. If you're going to be successful in the long term, you've got to adopt this kind of attitude, is that I am not going to let anything separate me. And I want to it this way, that you have to be careful that even though you have not allowed certain things in your mind to separate you from being faithful to God, living for the Lord, endeavoring to serve the Lord, that you maintain your joy in serving God. Because the joy of the Lord is what? The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. The devil is a joy robber. That's right. He knows that if he can take your joy in living for God and then all you're doing is you don't really have a relationship with God. All you do is you just follow the regulations hear mice licking ice in here right now but anyway uh it's just uh it's just you know you've dutifully through discipline learned how maybe that's because that you've been raised or you understand you understand what the expectations are and maybe you don't even have a desire for a lot of things that other people may have a desire for that's been in the world because you've never known or experienced those things but you have no joy in your relationship with god Boy, that's tragic for somebody to not have joy in their relationship with God. To just be a sourpuss all their life. Amen. That's not the will of God. That is not the will of God. You're going to have a hard time winning souls with that kind of spirit or that kind of attitude. You're going to have a hard time being what you need to be before God with that kind of attitude. Amen. Praise the Lord. I guess I said something funny here tonight. But I'm just telling you, it's so important that we understand that we've got to have joy in our relationship with God. It cannot just be rules and regulations, but we need a relationship with God that we can rejoice in and we can live for God to the fullest. That's how revival comes. It comes through that. That's how the Spirit of the Lord Uh, uh, works through our lives and attracts people in and in people that we've been that we love and we want to see saved that's how it comes to pass it's through us amen having the joy of the lord and we have strength to combat a lot of things that come to us in life through the joy of the lord praise god and we've got to keep that joy can you say praise god bible tells us in one of the old testament prophets uh, said this it's one of the minor prophecies that can't, uh, of course I didn't plan on saying these things so uh, I can't remember, remember exactly where it, it is written but it, it basically said that there is no joy and because there is no joy there is no harvest Amen now joy as I've explained before is different from just happiness happiness is all connected to happenings because that's its root word You know, you've got good happenings in your life. It's easy to have happiness. But joy comes from a different source. It comes through our salvation in God. With joy, I'll draw waters from the well of salvation. Praise God. So the joy of the Lord is my strength. Can you say praise the Lord? And so it's very important that we don't allow sin to enter in the picture. One of the the types that we have of sin in the Old Testament is, of course, leprosy that separates separates people from God. And people were quarantined. They were basically put out of the city. They were separated. They couldn't stay within the city walls. You see that with uh, the lepers that were at Samaria. They were placed outside the city walls. And so they were thrust out. They were rejected. They were separated from society. That's the way sin does. It separates people. separates relationships. It messes people's lives up. And then... As a result of that and leprosy, uh, messing up their relationships, taking them away from their homes and their livelihood and all of that, we see a perfect type of sin. And when the devil interjects sin into the church or into people's lives, when the devil uses this weapon of sin to get in and separate people, and, and and he does it. He, he'll do it to bust up families. He'll do it to bust up churches. He'll do it to stop progress because it's impossible for the church to progress as long as there is sin. Now, I'm not saying that every person that attends has to be absolutely perfect. If that's so, uh, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But what I'm saying is, is when people that are, that are uh, in, in the church that are Consider It cannot be a rampant thing in the church. It cannot be something that is in leadership. It cannot be something that is promoted, or it'll stop progress in the church. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. So it's very important, it's very important that we understand, we understand the importance of what the devil is trying to do and what we can do to overcome it. I want to maintain that joy of the Lord that gives me the strength to overcome when the devil comes around and tries to separate and tries to divide. Can you say, Praise the Lord? Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight, lift up our hands to the Lord, and give him praise right now. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I give praise to you, precious God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Perhaps I'll finish this up later, but I want to get into casting down those imaginations and how we can do that through the power of the Holy Ghost. Because you see, the devil, he tries to build up things in our minds things that may not even really exist but if they are in your mind they're a hindrance to your faith they're a hindrance to your worship they're a hindrance to you drawing close to the Lord because that's something he can interject every time you start moving out into the things of the Spirit he tries to put that there you're not worthy you can't do that these circumstances are not conducive to that Whatever the case may be, and it could be a myriad of things. It's so important that we realize it. Amen. Thank you for being attentive tonight. Thank you for being open to the word of the Lord. Why don't we clap our hands one more time to God.